and welcome back to the What The Fork podcast. We've had a little bit of a break and a lie down as the Nations League took precedent, but thank God Sunderland are back with a home double header, starting with Preston North End on Saturday. Preston have had um, a funny old season, you could say, so far, and there's plenty to dig into, and we'll be doing just that as I welcome Preston fan, returning guest, Preston writer for the Lancashire Post, and a returning guest, as I say, in the shape of Tom Sandals. Tom, how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm good, mate. you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, before we begin, I have to say, I cannot help but look at you. I don't know whether people have seen this video and just think of Timo <laughs> Werner. Um, people who are not understanding at all what I'm going on about and the fact that this is an um, audio podcast will probably have no idea what I'm going on about. But explain that comment to me a little bit because it was quite funny. We might as well touch on it. Yeah, so uh, I was in the post-match press conference, uh, sitting in like a normal seat, kind of to one side, and um, it was after the Preston versus Burnley game, and Vincent Company is talking to the local press, kind of chatting away, and he does like a couple of, he does like a triple takeover towards me, and then stops, tilts his head, and goes, "Has anyone told you you look like Timo Werner?" So then obviously the rumour erupts, everyone's <laughs> laughing and all that sort of stuff, and then I had luckily we had a guy. Uh, filming down filming the the press conference for us at work so i got the clip off him put it on twitter and i think it's on about fifteen thousand likes or something like that and he kind of went a bit viral in the end <laughs> vincent company telling me interrupting his press conference to tell me i look like team over the thing is i'd never really noticed it until like i seen the clip and i went oh god yeah yeah of course <laughs> like a hundred percent i got that and i thought might as well touch on it but yeah um... i get it occasionally when i play football uh like sunday league and stuff i, I used to get it a little bit but not quite so much although uh, it's changed a bit now, thanks to Vincent. I get yeah. it a bit more. <laughs> um, <laughs> not the weirdest thing that's happened this season. Obviously, Preston's had one of the weirdest seasons I've ever seen, sort of ever. But before we delve into it fully, which we definitely will, we always start from the top. Obviously, most recent game, 2-0 home defeat to promote, uh, promotion favourite Sheffield United. Obviously, good team. We've lost against them as well. I think the best side we've come up against. But but how was it from the Preston side? How was the performance? Um not the best um, it's getting to the stage now and I'll try I'm trying not to touch on all the defensive stuff but yeah. um, it's getting to the stage now where that was kind of propping up the season now once those clean sheets go you know the focus was half before now was half on the fact that they weren't scoring now it's fully on the fact that they're not scoring so the problem you have is North End played pretty well for about 40 minutes they were all over Sheffield United really Um they kind of made a mistake, a long ball forward, a poor header on the edge of the box. And when Ben Whiteman tries to turn on the edge of his box, gets tackled and Udiai just kind of carries the ball a little bit and smacks it in off the post, which is a good finish, to be fair. But it's kind of from that point, you're wondering how North End get back into it. Not necessarily because Sheffield United were playing that well on the day. In the end, they did take control of the game and they deserve to win, especially for the fact that they scored two goals. But North End just can't score at the moment. And that's the biggest concern is the fact that they were dominant for 40 minutes and didn't score. And it's the, it, you know, that happens. But at the moment, it's happening pretty much every week where North End, you know, have probably only had maybe a couple of bad games in the 10. And I've got three goals, I think it is, to show for it. And it's just, it's just not enough. It's funny looking at like obviously we'll, we'll, we might as well delve straight into it because it's like the main talking point of his mm. recent stuff. Um, you'll probably have the stats, but I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm not too far away. But I don't think any side has ever had the start that that Preston North End have had. I mean, first ten games this season they've won two, drew six, 
Um, lost to... There's been three goals, as you said before, scored in the entire season, but there's only been four conceded. So, essentially, that means there's been seven goals in Preston's first 10 games. I mean, what, what actually is going on? Because that's weird. That that never, ever happened. The amount of nil-nil draws that early on and the amount of minimal goals conceded, minimal goals scored, I've just never mm. seen it. Yeah, it is just that they can't score. They were playing well. Uh, the fence was brilliant. Um and they they just couldn't score. That's that's the that's what makes it look so strange is the fact that I remember North End have had five one on ones this season, whereas the striker, mainly Troy Parrott, um and the goalkeeper, no other defender near him. Uh well, maybe on the shoulder, but no one in front of them, for example. Five one on ones and they haven't converted any of them. So that is kind of the bread and butter for a forward. Yet North End aren't converting those chances, you know. They've been on top in a lot of games, at least for periods, and they just can't score. So they've been defending really well, which obviously gets highlighted when you keep seven straight clean sheets at the start of the season. It's been absolutely fantastic. You can't, you know, can't come out with enough superlatives for it. But the problem is at the other end, they just can't score. And that's why there's been so many nil-nils. Not because they're so good defensively. They have been very good defensively. But the reason there's so many nil-nils is because they're not scoring. Because they should be 1-0, 2-0, 3-0s even. It's just not happening at the moment. It's funny you touched on Troy Parrott there, obviously. I was actually at the, the Scotland Republic of Ireland game. He had a one-on-one -on -one there and it was... I mean, they praised Craig Gordon for the shot. But for, for me, I said it at the time, it was at my end. I said, should be scoring that. Um, didn't realise it was Troy Parrott at the time. Didn't realise it was Troy Parrott at the time. Sorry, how to do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> he was obviously it took heavily... a second, that one. <laughs> it took me a second as well. I was like, is this going to land? I don't know. Um, yeah, that's another, isn't it? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's happened quite often. It's quite funny, to be <laughs> fair. Um, he was heavily linked to something in the summer, and I was kind of on board with it, if I'm completely honest. He mm. had a decent enough season for MK Dons. He, you can obviously see he's been at Spurs, he's been at top club, Um and he was linked to a few championship clubs. So to me, it, it made sense, I think, before we brought in Ellis Sims. He was one of Preston's key tran uh, summer transfers. He's yet to score in the league. I think he scored in one of the cup competitions. But mm -hmm. obviously, scoring is an issue. And obviously, you don't want to pinpoint anyone in particular. But he's your key striking summer signing. How much of an issue has him not scoring been for Preston in terms of them not scoring as a whole? Yeah, it, it's been an issue. It's It's... Is you know you can't really say it hasn't when strikers aren't scoring. You know, I mean, it's the same for Emil Reese. I'll say that much. Emil Reese scored twenty goals last year, and he's got one this year so far. Uh, I think that by this time last year he had seven, so it shows a big difference. Uh, he kind of had his head turned a little bit by Middlesbrough. They came in late for him in the in in the summer, and I think it turned his head a little bit. He's been a bit in and out of the team as well, which doesn't help a player like him. Uh, he's one of those where he's not in the game. He isn't in the game at all. Not you know, he, he, he's one there. If he's if he's not scoring, he doesn't really contribute much else. Troy Parrott, on the other hand, although he hadn't been scoring for say the first five, six, seven games of the season, I thought he'd been playing really well. Uh, played up front by himself a little bit, and he he kind of adapted, learned how to kind of bring it in a bit, and and put himself about really well. Obviously, he was with. Tottenham's pre-season tour with Antonio Conte, so he's 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 clearly got something about him to sign a new long-term contract at, at Tottenham. So there is definitely a player in there. It just seems to be, and I don't know if 
he's waiting for a chance to be too perfect or he expects it to open up a little bit too much, whether he's too used to League One. But he just doesn't seem to be getting it quite right. And he had a, he had that, obviously, had the one-on-one and international duties. had similar for North Bend. He had one first game of the season against Wigan where he had quite a lot of time. And he just doesn't seem to have, at the moment, that sort of cutting edge. I, I feel like if he can get one or two, he might then, you know, be able to get, you know, reach double figures or something like that. But at the moment, it just doesn't seem to be there. It's a weird one. It's a hard one to put your finger on. I think that's kind of the case with, with goal scoring sometimes, um, because especially considering one can come off your backside and all of a sudden you're a good goal scorer. But it just doesn't seem to be happening for North End at the moment, especially in front of goal. It's interesting when you're like 10 games into the season, you can tend to... Obviously, I've not watched all the Preston games. You watch, I was going to say Quest, but obviously it's not Quest anymore, but people know what mm-hmm. I mean. Um, seeing the highlights, you get to watch a little bit. <clears throat> you combine that with the stats and you think, well, it looks like they play this sort of style from what I've seen and you're ready to do a preview show and, and chat about it. I can't make head in the tail of what, what Preston's style is. Obviously, you can look at the formation. It looks like a, a back three, sort of what you a lot of modern teams are playing these days. But you're not scoring. You're not really conceding that many. It's really hard to judge on the, the highlights because there's barely any. And the stats are pretty much, well, we don't score and we don't really concede that many. So, so what... Is Preston style at the moment? What are we likely to see on Saturday? Um, yeah, it's an interesting one, that, because I think some of the fans have have kind of started saying the same thing. Uh, Ryan Lowe is a good talker. So when he came in, he said, very clear, this is what my system's going to be like. I'm going to, the plan is to defend with four, which is a back three and Ben Whiteman in front of them, attack with six. Um, it's meant to be a possession-based game, which generally... It is for North End, although there's quite a few kind of balls down the channel lately. Um, yeah, it, it's a tough one to say at the moment what North End are because, like you say, Ryan Lowe says he wants to have an attacking team, but there's a lot of sort of sideways passes. There's a lot of, I'd say, slow for the sake of being slow or passing for the sake of passing. And I'm not one who's like, get it, pass it forward every time. I can understand where there's times you need to come back, recycle it, switch the side, try and move the opposition and see if there's a gap. But there does seem to be occasions where you could play it forward and make a run off them and and be a bit more direct with passes, not just lumping it. And it just doesn't seem to happen. I think it is very difficult when you're not scoring because those patterns, you know, there's some nice patterns where they'll pay two, three passes, but they're playing them about 40 yards out. And it's not threatening. Strikers are running kind of into the channel outside the 18-yard box. Now, if I'm a centre-half and Emil Reese scored 20 goals last season and has got a rocket in his fault, I would much rather him be out there than be attacking in between the posts, which seems to be the case. So it's difficult to say because the strikers aren't really in the box as much probably as Ryan Lowe would like. And he's mentioned that in the past. But they are North End generally, apart from probably these last couple of games, are creating chances. So if a couple of those go in, you can probably say they're an attacking team. At the moment, it's difficult to say that when you're not scoring and and you can come off second best quite a lot. Funny you mentioned about the, the sideways passes and kind of like safe passes, as I call it. I think we've all been there with, with our teams, no matter what style we play, where the confidence is so low and it ebbs away that no one really... 
a cliche, but grabs the game by the scruff of the neck. Anyone's mm. terrified of making that mistake. Is that true of, of Preston North End at the minute? I think to a point, I, I must say, I think they've got sort of faith in themselves. Um, when you ask Ryan Lowe about it, he says it's not the case and, and the confidence is still all right. It's obviously getting worse. It's, it's natural. But they just, I don't know. It's very hard to put your finger on. It just seems like they've, they're just not quite at it. They're not quite... There, There is a, a problem with creativity in the team because Daniel Johnson, who normally would be, say, the creative one, hasn't been in the best of form this season. Robbie Brady has basically had all responsibility put onto him. Get it wide to Brady. He then tries to cross it. It can be easy to defend, especially if you're up against three at the back, for example. Big defenders. And if Brady isn't on a good day for crossing, you know, or Brad Potts isn't able to jump five feet in the air and score a, a scissor kick, you know, it, it just doesn't seem to happen. Um, Alvaro Fernandez looks interesting when he comes on and, and plays. He kind of takes a man on a bit, but he's probably the only player in the PNE team that's able to do that. So I think it's difficult. I think that's probably why they pass quite a lot is because they're not really able to beat a man as such anywhere in the team, really. You touched on Ryan Lowe there before. Obviously, he's been in charge for give or take 10, 11 months now. So he's coming mm-hmm. for sort of a year in charge. I don't know whether Twitter or forums can ever be a good barometer of, of, of any fan base. <clears throat> but nonetheless, that's what we've got to go on. Um, he's been getting some flack recently, perhaps unsurprisingly. How would you sum up Ryan Lowe's sort of first year-ish in charge at Preston North End? I would say his first... So, if we're presuming we're going off of his 12 months, I mean, I think he joined uh, 7th of December. So, right, so we're 10 months. I would say his first eight and a half months were as good as you could get for the manager in that position. He reunited the fan base. Like I said, he knows he knows what to say. So, he said all the right things. He was playing a better style of football than Frankie McAvoy. You could see the style there. You could see that it was passing base and where people want to go forward. You felt like his hands were tied a little bit with personnel because he obviously inherited a squad. Um, the work over the summer, the club did very well with the season ticket um, pricing, early bird pricing, which meant there's 12,000 season ticket holders at North End, which is the most they've had for years and years and years. So everything was going really well. They did a pre-season trip to Spain and Ryan was was keen to get all the fans sort of involved and there and, and took a big picture with everyone. And he said recently it's up in the dressing room. Um, so he's very good for stuff like that. These last sort of six weeks or so, less so because obviously it's a results business. So North End haven't been scoring. They've scored, I think, once all season at Deepdale. You've got 12,000 season ticket holders You've scored once. It's not good. Um, Two goals away from home, you know. So that's that's the big trouble at the moment is that Lowe kind of wanted a playoff push. There was potential there, but it doesn't seem to be the case. And it's another case of what might have been. There's frustration aimed at the board as well and the ownership. Obviously, I don't know if you saw, there's a very long statement the other day from uh, the North End owner uh, based off of fan frustration really the fact that Ryan Lowe said pretty openly in the summer he wanted two more signings in didn't get either needed a right wing back wanted another striker lo and behold they're not scoring goals 
He don't have anyone to beat a man, which is probably what that right wing back would be. You've got Brad Potts, who's very steady in a way, very very diligent defensively, but doesn't really offer a great deal going forward. A new right wing back you could have maybe who's less defensive minded, but can be so. You, there's little pieces there that could have come together. Low doesn't come in for too much stick in that regard because he's not the first manager to be in that situation at North End. But I think a few are starting to tire of the same things can get said post-match. And he's one of those where I think a few fans have kind of said that if the game doesn't go right, at times it can be because the players haven't followed tactics properly. But when the game does go right, it's because the players ta- follow the tactics. And it's like, if they win, it's because of low. If they lose, it's because the players haven't quite done So that, you know, there's always going to be fractures in fan bases, especially when you're not scoring goals and not winning. But generally speaking, he, he has had a very a very good start to, to life at North End. If you can take a step back from the last sort of month and, and the fact that they, they don't score. Just modern day football, isn't it? You always remember the kind of recent stuff. Your your job's day to day. I think it's notable football these days, as Watford managers will know over the past ten years. Yeah. Um, I think looking through Preston's team and obviously the the team that you've got there, it's funny. There's a lot of players that have came from sort of lower divisions that I remember from our awful, frustrating Mingan stint in League <laughs> One. Uh, Whiteman, you touched on Brad Potts before. I've always really liked Brad Potts. I remember we were linked to him years ago. I think it was maybe the first season in League One and. Obviously, he was at Barnsley. He's a big physical um, player. He's, he's a unit, essentially. Um, who are the players that we should be looking out for? I feel like I've concentrated a lot on the negatives, mm. but ultimately, you've only lost two games this season out of 10. So who are the players that are currently playing quite well? Uh, Liam Lindsay is the one that stands out in the middle of the, the back three. Um, oh, Thistle, man, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Then went from there to Barnsley, I think, and then Barnsley. Stoke. And uh, yeah, so... I think he, he was playing at, at Barnes with Ethan Pinnock and he finished second at the best defence in the league then. He's been brilliant. Um, it was it was Patrick Barrow in the middle of the back three predominantly last season, but Liam Lindsay's come in this season and has been fantastic. He's very, for a, for a big centre-half, um, he's he's very good on the ball, on, on the quiet. He's one where he'll kind of open his body one way and he's got this sort of technical ability to kind of fake the pass and check it inside and like a bit of dribbling about him. Um, but in the air, he's been absolutely fantastic. He, he heads absolutely everything. So he's been a big part of it. You can't obviously then discount Andrew Hughes and Jordan Story, the side of him. Jordan Story obviously stepping up from League One after being out on loan last year. He was still a championship player last year, to be fair. They just sent him out in part to balance the books to get Cameron Archer in. Um, so he's never been a bad player, um, Andrew Hughes. In my opinion, one of the best left-sided defenders in the division. He's been so consistent. Uh, and then Freddie Woodman, obviously, he's been brilliant as well. Whenever he's had to... He's got one of the highest save percentages in the league. So whenever he is called upon, he's he's there. Otherwise, you look at maybe Robbie Brady on his day for his delivery. But Ben Whiteman's very good in front of that back four, just keeping the ball ticking. Um, off Quite often, when North End play badly, it's because teams put a player on Ben Whiteman and can do a job on him. So he's kind of key to the way North End play. Um, I'm trying to be more positive, but I can't really go much further forward than the back <laughs> the back four and, and Ben White in front of him because defensively been so good. And then going forward, there's just kind of been been very little. The midfield's normally the strength of North End, but this season they've just been out of form. Alan Brown, Daniel Johnson, um, Alan McCann's been in and out a little bit, Ryan Ledson in and out a little bit. So, yeah, it, 
the, the defence mainly, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, Liam, Liam Lindsay, weirdly, is a, is a career I've followed for a while and he's always always done a decent job, yet never seems to get anywhere close to Scotland's um, Scotland's obviously uh, squad, which is weird mm. considering some of the players that are in there. Um, player, of the month, non- uh, player of the Month nominee for August as well in the Championship. Oh, was he? Yeah, he's, mm. I mean, I've always been impressed when I've seen him as a young boy at Park Thistle and I'm not that surprised he made the jump up, but um, I'm going back a long time since he was at Thistle. I'm going to go back an even longer mm. time because um, it's been a little while since Preston was at the stadium, right? And mm. there was a certain manager that came in um, last time we played you at the stadium, right? He was in the Preston North End dugout. Now, obviously, um, unbeknown to some people, potentially, you on the show last year discussed Fleetwood because you obviously covered Fleetwood as well. So you're, you're up to date with Sunderland stuff as well. You know, you're not a million miles away. But mm. um, we all know what happened at the start of the season. We all know what Alex Neal did for for something and getting us promoted and had a fantastic run towards the end so so two questions in one really first and foremost based on your experience of what he did at Preston um we surprised that he was the man that eventually got Sunderland out and and second question how surprised were you by his decision to leave Sunderland for Stoke City I, I did, this might I was saying surprised a lot this might be surprising but I wasn't surprised by either to be honest um I think I was I was more surprised that he went to Sunderland that than the fact that he got them out of League One. Um, I know he still very much saw himself as a Championship manager. Obviously, he had a job sort of mid table in the end in the Championship. It doesn't go well. Your stock kind of fluctuates. You know, it might have to drop to League One, top of League One to get another job. I know he very much saw himself as Championship manager. I think kind of like Simon Grayson did when he left Sunderland because obviously the last time. PNE played Sunderland. Simon Grayson was in charge for the first half season. Then it was Chris Coleman, I think, uh, when we were at the Stadium of Light. Um, but I was more surprised than that Alex Neal dropped down because it 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 was a massive risk for him. If he didn't get Sunderland promoted in that what six month spell he had there, he is then a, a League One manager. No, like either way, he stuck there, and he was very. I know he's very keen to kind of make sure he was still seen as a as a top manager. Obviously, it worked, which again, not particularly surprising. I think he's a fantastic manager, one of the best. Well, currently, probably the best that North End have had, in my opinion, since I can really remember. So I'm 25. So early days of Billy Davies, I wasn't quite with it then. I'm only like seven or eight and got to the um, playoff final then. Uh, but in terms of like a modern manager, in terms of the press and the way he played football, he was fantastic. It completely changed the way North End were, stepped him up a level. Uh, and a lot of that sort of legacy still is here today, where Ryan Lowe and the way he presses is trying to adapt players like Alan Brown and Daniel Johnson, who've been used to pressing in Alex Neal's style. Um, so I wasn't surprised that he got the job done at Sunderland. Now, from the outside, Sunderland seemed a bit of a, a, a poison chalice where no one seemed to quite be able to grasp whether it's the club or what was going on there and get them over the line. In terms of him going to Stoke, he'd had interest before when he was at North End and I know he 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 listened and kind of took an interest in it, considered it. Uh, I think he spoke after he left North End, basically saying he was too loyal to North End. He, he had opportunities to leave, maybe should have done. Um, but the fact that Stoke came in again who are a more settled club at this level, maybe not necessarily, obviously don't have the same fan base, all that sort of stuff, but they are a more settled club at this level. Uh, there's less risk for him there. He can 
he's got more chance of being a championship manager this time next year. Um, and he will get money to spend. And it's closer to home. He still lives very close to Preston. Well, pretty much in Preston. Uh, it's about, you know, well, it's a, it's a much smaller community than it is to get to Sunderland or to stay in Sunderland during the week. So to be honest, it just kind of makes sense for Alex Neil personally. You know, opinions obviously will vary on whether Sunderland to Stoke is a sideways step, all that sort of stuff from the outside, not having those affinities. I would say it's a more secure job because Sunderland is still new to the division. You don't know how things will go. Obviously, that's kind of his job to settle Sunderland. So that's part of it. But I think it kind of makes sense for Alex Neil. Whether it does in football or for Sunderland is another matter. But for Alex Neil, it sort of just made sense. It's interesting because I think, obviously, at the time that he left, we'd started really well. Obviously, everything he had here was... It, it felt really, really good. And obviously, when he did leave, like I was I was good because um, you always kind of get a kick in the gut with Sunderland sometimes and it felt like, oh, things have just got good and, and that's mm. happened. But, you know, as it is, to be completely honest, we've managed to be absolutely fine um, since he's left and we're fifth off top. We appear to be playing just as well and, and all of a sudden maybe you think, is Alex Neil looking and thinking, oh, you know, maybe the best chance of staying in the championship was maybe with Sunderland after all. But we've done quite well under Tony Mowbray, really well, actually. Um, it's early days, but we appear to be playing just as well, if not better. What have you made of Sunderland start as a whole and also the way that we've reacted to, um, obviously, Alex Neil leaving, which was mm. evidently a massive blow, let's let's not deny it. Yeah, I think, I, I always think the promoted clubs will start generally quite well because you're still on the crest of a wave. Um, North End have had it for the last few years where Wigan really weren't expected to be much to get a draw at North End the season before. I think they got turned over by Hull 4-1 just after winning the title. So often teams that come up, it, it's more probably this period where they might falter. They've, they've kind of had time to reflect the international break. They've caught the breath and then they might start struggling. I think Tony Mowbray personally is, is a perfect appointment, really. He had an issue when he was at Blackburn, as he was still commuting from the northeast, so <coughs> excuse me, he never quite settled. But he did a fantastic job at Blackburn, got them settled in the league, and had a couple of of playoff pushes. So, if he can do similar with with Sunderland, and obviously he knows the area better and stuff like that, he can connect a bit more. If he gets Sunderland settled in the league, he's done that before with another club. He can he can consolidate in that league and then improve and push on. So. Tip from the outside again. It, it looks like a very good appointment. Um, I kind of expect a result to drop off a little bit whilst Mowbray got settled and kind of maybe turned around a few probably gutted players that the managers left. But credit to him, I suppose, probably his experience and his quality as manager, the fact that he's, he's kind of kept things going. In terms of the, the two teams going into the game on Saturday, obviously we're a team that has currently no fit strikers, although Ellis Sims might be, be back on Saturday. Um, but we're a team with no strikers that is scoring lots of goals, five with basically false number nines or, or number tens, whereas Preston, as we've touched on, are a team with strikers that are not scoring at the moment. Um, you said your defence is playing well, though. Obviously, the, the stats prove that as well. And, and while you may not be doing much up top, you're doing probably better than most teams, any team, I think, in the league at the back. So where can Sunderland damage Preston on Saturday? Which are the players that you're most concerned by? Um, <clears throat> honestly, defensively, none. I think, um, well, potentially, Robbie Brady got caught out a little bit at home to Birmingham, didn't track his man who gets a header at the far post. But Brad Potts on the other side is brilliant when it comes to that. Um, 
and the back three been fantastic. Jordan Story, a little bit of an error uh, with a poor header against Sheffield United. Then Andrew Hughes miscontrolled the ball, and that's that's an error uh, led to a goal for the second one at Sheffield United. Um, but otherwise, there's not, there's no one, especially in that back sort of five, where you think they could get at him today. Um, Jordan Story, when he gets kind of slowed down a little bit, because sometimes get beaten by a dribble, but. Other than that, I mean, you say that, but they're barely conceding a goal, so it's probably a bit harsh. Um, defensively, yeah, they're, they're, they're very good. It'll be interesting how they cope with the false nine system, whether you know people can track the man properly, stuff like that. But when you've got Ben Whiteman sitting in just in front, maybe that helps. Um, so, yeah, it, it, in terms of like weaknesses, in terms of where Sunderland can get at, I don't think there's anything going into it. Obviously, it changes game to game. Someone can have a bad game every way football goes. But like generally speaking, there isn't too much to 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 be worried about from a PNE point of view, defensively particularly. Regarding the game on Saturday, obviously, as always, we do a, a prediction here. I don't think I've got any right so far at no. all, um, which is true to form and just proves that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, but I think it'll be a funny game on Saturday. I think I do fancy us to win. But in a really weird way, despite everything we've spoke about on this podcast, I still fancy Preston to score. And I actually fancy, <laughs> just because the way that the game works, when you go and do a podcast about how Preston North End can't score and Sunderland are playing quite well, Sunderland tend to have a ropey performance where we maybe nick something and Preston will score a few goals. So I'm going to go completely outlandish and say 3-2 Sunderland. Um, no stats it's- back that up. It's as good a guess as any at the moment because it's it's one of those where I think it'll either be nil nil or you know the floodgates will open. Uh, I'll just because North End can't score and I can't I can't predict against North End, can I? So I'll go I'll no. go one nil one nil PNE. Um, but yeah, just because the blind hope that PNE will score a goal somehow, hopefully. Cool. Football Please. is just blind hope, isn't it? I think um, <laughs> it has been for someone for a long, long time. But but Tom, lovely to have you on chatting about the team that you actually support um, this time. And um, yeah. obviously, um, unbeknownst to some people, we're technically colleagues, mate. So I wish you all the yeah. work and in real life. <laughs> yeah, you too, mate. All the best. Cheers, chap. Thank you.